Today's episode is brought to you by ANI Solutions, a Broadcom Software Strategic and Expert Plus partner. You can achieve performance visibility with AppNeta, the only network and application monitoring solution that delivers visibility into the end user experience of any web application from any location and continuously with four-dimensional monitoring, flexible deployment, and more. Visit anisolutions.com slash appneta, that's A-P-P-N-E-T-A, to learn more. Make sure to use that link and let them know the podcast sent you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Thankful to be joined by my full home team crew, Cassidy, Sierra, and Matt. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hello. It's good to see all of you. We are rounding out the year. The timestamp on this is Monday, December 12th. I wanted to go over a few quick news hits and then maybe just reflect a little bit on 2022. So folks dropped some good links here. Adobe celebrated 40th anniversary with employee-only Katy Perry concert. Mm. Good for them. I'm glad they still got that kind of money. Good for you, Adobe. <laughs> so I'm not sure if anybody here has watched Silicon Valley, but it's it seems like there's fewer and fewer articles and things coming out recently that makes me laugh in reference back to Silicon Valley, where yeah. I think they had like a Blink-182 concert and stuff like that just for the employees of the company. And yeah. this was the only thing I've seen in the last like six to 12 months where I'm like, I'm glad that we can still kind of relate to that a little bit. So I thought that was quite right. funny. But uh, yeah, Adobe, 40 years, that's pretty sweet. It's a thing. Yeah, that's wild. And I've been to those employee-only concerts before, and they are fun <laughs> depending on the employees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, tech people tend to follow certain stereotypes, and those are very real. And so, right. like, one of the concerts that I did at an, an internship that I was in, uh, it was at Microsoft. We had a Young the Giants concert <gasps> in Alabama Young Shakes. Young the Giant? Yeah, oh it, was, it was awesome. And so... <sighs> Especially because it was interns and mostly like young yeah. people. It was yeah. really, really fun to just like jam with them and have this like, I shouldn't say intimate because there was like over a thousand interns, but Ooh. a really cool concert just for us. And then at the same time, laughing at my sister at <laughs> one of her roles, they had a um, Adam Lambert concert mm. and she was saying she just felt embarrassed because Everyone was just kind of looking at their phones down at the whole time while he was performing. <laughs> she felt like she was the only one like, yeah, at the front. Wow. And she was just like, on one hand, it was cool because she like made eye contact with Adam Lambert. But then she was also just like, why are we ah. like this tech people? Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. This I would be great. so bummed out if that was me. But also mm. so jealous that you got to see Young the Giant in concert. I know. Ooh. It was very cool. I wonder if I'll ever experience a tech company concert like this. We'll see. What's interesting is there were some that happened in the pandemic where mm. one of my cousins, she she had a tech internship this past summer. And because everybody was remote, like the full internship was remote and everything, they just had a remote concert. Mm. And I forget the band, but it was like it was a legit one. And I was just like, was it just like watching a YouTube video? She was mm. like. Kind of, but it was more like a Twitch stream and yeah. like we knew everybody in the audience in the chat while we mm. were watching them perform and they occasionally said hi to us. And <laughs> I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Believe it or not, virtual concerts aren't that bad. 
they aren't that bad, you guys. You got to give it a try. It's not the same as being in person, obviously, but they're fun. I've done quite a few because obviously I can't go to Korea every time there's like a concert (laughs) that I want to see. So they usually do like a a virtual one and they can be pretty fun. Like if the performers are good and they know how to like engage with the audience, they can be fun. Right. I buy it. I mean, the Super Bowl halftime show sometimes it rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's great. You're you're in a room with a bunch of people, and everybody's just like kind of hyped up to see it. Yeah, that's not one of those interactive ones, but it's like a live music event that you can consume from home. Well, I mean, they did it in Fortnite as well. They had some really big names in like an in-world virtual thing. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Or my Fortnite sweatshirt. Nice. I also just want to add, I feel like it's every maybe like six episodes or so, Cassidy just drops that she has yet another family member working in tech. <laughs> and I feel this is all part of her grand plan to unleash Williams Co. Right. at some stage in the next yeah, five dynasty. years. Dynasty, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's the dream. We'll see if they're less annoyed with me someday about getting them <laughs> Stop. this job <laughs> this industry. So we know AIs are learning to do everything these days. You know, they can make the art, they can write the essays, they can craft the music. But somebody dropped a link in here. Now they're learning to play soccer. I don't believe this. Tell me more. This I just found comical to an extent because it's a great article. It's from Wired. And they're basically documenting how they are teaching AI to play soccer and you know you think with chat gtp and everything else you're like okay cool so like i can have a conversation with an ai and it'll do things but the way that they were talking about how they're teaching an ai to play soccer there's actually a lot of nuance and depth to it that i hadn't initially thought Mm. um for example like getting a human to be able to run for instance and using kind of like real physics like all the different bones and the way that our joints move and like restricting (laughs) that and then once they've learned how to run there's a lot of decisions that you need to make say for example a ball is coming at you and getting yourself in a position to kick the ball in a way but also make an informed decision as to where that is going to go like there's a lot of steps and sequences that needs to happen and they've got a couple of videos up here showing kind of like the iterations that they went through of the ai on the floor kind of like learning how to walk and run basically (laughs) which is them writhing on the floor and what looks like agony and then they basically take like a mocap data from a person playing soccer and then they use that to kind of feed and train the algorithm so then you get these like very awkwardly stilted puppets kind of like (laughs) hobbling around the field trying to kick a ball i found it really fascinating yeah Mm. if you ever want to see like drunk zombies Mm. uh, learning how to play soccer this video is for you did any of you ever play Quop in the browser? They mentioned that in the article. Yes. Nice. Yeah. What is that? So it's QWOP, just like the letters on your keyboards, where you have your upper leg and lower leg and your left and right leg. Each of those letters, QWOP, corresponds with one of those things. Like one is upper left leg, upper uh. right leg, lower left leg, lower right leg. And you just have to walk as far as you can pressing those uh, keys. Wow. It is very challenging. I'm sure. And so it that is like the it. first thing that I thought of when I saw this. I just, it's like an AI playing co op. Right? Yeah, there were a couple of things I thought of when you were describing this article. One thing was when I was about, I want to say like 11 years old. I participated in a 
study almost, I guess you could say, not really a study, but like a thing at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia where I was a healthy child. I could walk normally, never was injured, anything like that. So they had me like hook up to this contraption that tracked the pattern of my footsteps. And they had me do mm. different exercises that kids, when they're injured and they're in rehabilitation, when they're in physical therapy, those are the exercises they do. And they would match up my footsteps as a like healthy kid to what right. they should the aim baseline. for. Yeah. Right. And I kind of was wondering if they had like actual soccer players or humans who can play soccer wear like a device almost like that to kind of like have something for the AI to train up against, if that makes sense. Because mm. mm -hmm. that's basically kind of what I did, except it wasn't for AI, it was for kids. And then I thought too about like motion graphics and how much goes yeah. into like the yeah, physics yeah. of it and trying to get the motions to be as natural and close mm. to like the real world as possible. It's right. interesting. I feel like it's a lot more complex than it seems, especially if like I sat down and tried to do this, I probably would be ripping my hair out because <laughs> <laughs> we don't think about how much goes into making these things natural because it just comes naturally to us. We don't think about like what it would be like to to try to get like a little computer program to replicate those same actions. So, so yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of like all of those behind the scenes clips of like, actors wearing a green bodysuit with like little <laughs> yeah. white balls attached to yeah. them so they can map a digital character onto them. Yeah. yeah. I also want to shout out the first sentence of this article, which says DeepMind's attempt to teach an AI to play soccer started with a virtual player writhing around on the floor. So it nailed at least one aspect of the game right from kickoff. <laughs> you can get a yellow card for faking it these days. Uh. Yeah, I love this because even though in like the version they're showing, like the puppet humans still look a little silly. It's clear that they've started without being explicitly told to do this. They picked up on some strategies for like how to pass, how to clear the ball out, how to like, mm. you know, stay on or offside. So like. It's always fun when, you know, you see those kind of emergent behaviors. You don't train that specifically. You just like let the machine kind of run. And then, you know, it starts to look more and more like what we would consider soccer. All right, moving on. Little beef today on the internet, but I think it's all cleared up. Some folks from Ghost who make a wonderful piece of software you can use to send your newsletter sent out a bunch of tweets to the folks at Substack saying, thanks for copying all of our code and using it. Seems like it's running really great over at Substack. Yeah, I was and shook then, when I read that. Yes. They came on pretty strong. And then there was some back and forth in the you know internet dialogue about, hey, this is an MIT license and all you're really supposed to do is show it. Well, where should you show it? You know, What's the right place to put the copyright? And then eventually the folks from Substack came back and said, well... All we're really doing is, you know, borrowing your theme editor so that people who build themes over there, their themes will run well over here. And also Olive Branch, you know, we'd love to work more together. So Cassidy, you saw this. What did you make of it? So for those who don't know, like Ben said, Ghost is a newsletter platform, but it also can help you build a blog, a website in general. It's it's a very powerful piece of software for building things. And it's yeah. open source and they have pro plans and stuff. They're very transparent and cool and you can do paid subscriptions and stuff. And so when the ghost founder, I think, called out Substack, they were just like, we thought this was kind of cool, but kind of interesting how you're kind mm -hmm. of using our stuff. And he had lots of screenshots to show just how yeah. 
closely lined up it was. And I was floored because these are two completely separate companies doing very, very similar things. Like you said, Ben, it was kind of resolved later, kind of, where the Substack person said, we're not powered by Ghost. We just happened to build this thing that works with Ghost themes. And so people right. can make a Substack thing, but it will look like a Ghost thing if they want uh. to. But it still felt just yeah. enough like teetering that kind of line yeah. where there should have been some kind of credit in a yes. license, some kind of reference somewhere. I think that that's totally what it was, is that they should have worked this out. You know, They should have said, hey, we're thinking about borrowing this because we want to yeah. make it easy for people to carry themes over. And you know, like, what do you think right. is the best way? Because the license really is very permissive. And so if they hadn't just done it- Yeah, they have it, the most permissive license that you can get. Yeah. Also, you know, like they're sort of naturally competitors of a sort. So that like adds a little bit of extra spice. But yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, gray areas where it's like when you are going to go borrow from something, it's really about etiquette, right? Like, yeah. And then you avoid right. a little PR disaster for yourself. So yeah. I just had a look at the response from one of the founders from Substack. And I think one of the corrections that he was intent on making was that, and this is to quote, that person substack is not powered by ghost rather we built our own theming api that's compatible right. with themes built for ghost including those built by third parties yeah so that makes it seem like they're making sure the integration is tied am i understanding that correctly or so it's like if you made a theme for i was about to say your myspace page <laughs> you're, you're, if you made a theme for for any website yeah. you're about to make it could work on ghost and it could work on substack mm. using the exact same theme that is what they built cool. Yeah, I looked at the thread from the founder of Ghost and I kind of see where he's coming from because if I put myself in his shoes and I wake up one morning and I see that one of our competitors has something that looks nearly identical to what we've spent all our time building without any like yeah. prior notice, I probably would have assumed that, hey, they're building based off of work that we've done. So I do think that like for courtesy and like, PR, absolutely. Like it would probably be best to like say like, "Hey, we're gonna be doing this thing that's gonna look like your thing, but it's not quite." You know what I mean? Like, right? right. Well, and it, it wasn't even the look and feel too. It was like the actual network requests were kind of <sighs> pinging things in a way where it looked like yeah. they were straight up stealing code, yeah. which they weren't. They did clear that up, but like you said. They should have said something. Yeah. <laughs> they should have made and it clear. Even regardless of common courtesy, and I hate to say that, but I feel like in business sometimes people don't care too much about that. I feel like for the mm. the look of it, too, from users or potential users, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> like if you come right. across this thread and you're like, oh my gosh, why would they do that over at Substack? Like, that's just not a good look. So yeah. Well, and also honestly because people don't often do their research and kind of look right. at the big headlines and stuff. The original ghost founder thread where he was pointing all of this out went very viral. Yeah. And the Substack one has not gotten that popular and yet. I and noticed so that. You, so you're going to want to do some work to clear that That's up. That's always how it is. Yeah. Easy to get fired up about something that seems inflammatory and the sort of neutral, even toned explanation that comes after doesn't get as much traction. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask, did y'all see what they picked for app of the year on the Apple App no. Store? No. No. What was it? Be Real. Yes, Be Real. Have any of y'all heard of this or used it? Nope. No. I've heard of it. There was actually a really funny SNL sketch about it, but I haven't used it. Okay. But for those who don't know what Be Real is, it's 
you get a notification at some point during the day and you have to take a picture of what you're doing oh. in that moment. And it, it does yes. front facing and back facing camera. And if you don't do it within two minutes of the notification, you're not being real and it'll shame you. <laughs> and the, okay. the SNL sketch was very funny because like a bank was being robbed and everyone got their be real notification. And so there were like hostages <laughs> taking pictures and stuff and like the robbers did it yeah. and, and everything. And it, it was very funny. And I admit the concept seems cool, I know zero people who actually use it. Right. Yeah. I think it might be people younger even than us. I met someone who like just graduated college and they were the first person to tell me about Be Real and how it was like what their whole social clique was into. And it was like the anti-social media. It takes away the stress of like preparing your look and, you know, posting with the right captions. Right. It's just like once a day, just be real with all your buds and, you know, then... That's a way to check in with everybody. Nobody in my friend circle has mentioned this app. Yes, Sierra's our resident youth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the Gen Z rep, and I haven't heard not one Gen Z person say this, like, or mention this. Well, and I I asked, like, some of my cousins who are, like, in college and stuff, and they're just like, Be Real used to be cool for, like, a week. (laughs) And I was like, sorry, okay. But, yeah, that's that's all I got. I don't know who uses it. I'm not sure if it's like a time thing where it's at like at two o'clock every day or they just randomly do a time throughout the day. But I feel like this yeah. is one of the social media apps that would actually incentivize me to try and do some cooler things with my life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because mm, be... in hopes that the notification happens while you're being <laughs> I'm really like, cool. Yeah, I'm like, what a scheme. Like, come on. <laughs> right. But to me, yeah, it's also kind of the opposite. It's just like it lessens the FOMO because everybody's just like just doing their thing. Right. All right, great. Well, that's all the stuff we had on our links. So I thought maybe given this is towards the end of the year, we would pass the mic around and folks could talk about one thing that they really love doing this year or one recommendation for like a book or a movie or one thing they're hoping to do next year. I'm happy to go first to give people some time. So I am maybe three quarters of the way through this book. It's called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Any of you all heard of it? My sister read that this past week. Yes. I would really recommend it. It is a book about a group of friends, you know, and their lives intersect in a bunch of ways, but they are gamers. And then they go on to create like a game development company together. And it's written from the perspective of like people who grew up in the 90s, first with like Nintendo and Donkey Mm -hmm. Kong, and then, you know, went on to these things. It's like, there's like this cognitive dissonance of like, this is a really well-written novel with like character depth and nuance and romance but then like it's also really relatable for me because they're like talking about oregon trail and super mario brothers and stuff like that i'm like (laughs) this is it like you're in my world and i can relate to you you know (laughs) so for anybody who's listening who loves gaming and also maybe is in the mood for fiction that's a bit challenging and i think a bit rewarding i would recommend this book tomorrow and tomorrow tomorrow my recommendation is this app called real world As most of you know, I'm the resident youth on the Stack Overflow podcast, which means that I'm still figuring my life out in a lot of ways. And Real Mm. World is really cool because it's a very aesthetically pleasing app that like walks you through the process of like getting a car loan or investing or improving your credit score. Those kind of things that you kind of have to figure out if you want to become an adult in the United States of America. So Mm. it's been really helpful. Like recently I got a car. And I kind of filed the steps that the app outlined. And so that's my recommendation. Even if you're like 
technically not like young or whatever, it still has a lot of useful tips that I think could be helpful for a lot of people. And it's all in one place. So you don't have to worry about like spending hours looking through YouTube or Google and stuff like that. So that's my, that's my recommendation. Cool. Nice. So for myself, first of all, I've been trying to like write more in okay. general and, and I've talked about Obsidian plenty on this show. I try to write a, as much as I can in Obsidian, just notes for myself, but also in general, little snippets where I'm like, this could be a blog post someday, or this could be something. And so that's like part of a recommendation. The rest of the recommendation was a book that a friend recommended to me called Bird by Bird. And it is a book about writing mm -hmm. and it's some instructions on writing and life. And at first I was just like, eh, it seems kind of boring, but I'll read it just to see what it's about. And it was probably one of the funniest instructional books I've ever read. Oh, nice. mm. There were so many parts where I genuinely laughed out loud and I had to like find a person that I could talk to about a certain paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was really, really entertaining. And the author had good like self-deprecating humor, but then also had really practical tips. And it's definitely geared towards people who want to be a writer, writer and like write articles, write novels, write things. But at the same time, there were just enough tips in there where I've been writing more on my own, even if it's just something that I'll never publish just to kind of get the words on the paper. And it's been really good for building the habit. So the book Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Cool. Okay. I've done my research and I've <laughs> gone through my Goodreads list. And so my recommendations, like I'm someone who's quite transparent around the fact that like, I would love to make more money online. I would love for that to be kind of like a thing that I do. It's something that I enjoy doing. Like I have a YouTube channel. I like writing. I like creating stuff. So the book that I read that was actually really helpful to me was called The Freelance Manifesto, A Field Guide for the Modern Motion Designer. And I know that's not for everybody, motion design is in a field that a lot of people are into, but this person basically talks through everything that they did to build up a successful motion design studio from like how to negotiate contracts, how to scale, how to take on certain projects, whether you're doing it yourself or you're also hiring somebody else to do that. And it, it taught a lot of like business rules that I hadn't mm. really even thought of. And it was kind of like a turning point for me when, when I do my own kind of contract work, yeah. being able to like advocate for myself and set a rate in which I'm actually comfortable doing it as opposed to something that is going to be taxed. And then I'm like, oh, I only ended up with X dollars afterwards. So that was actually very, very helpful. Um, a lot of my other books are very much self-help and relationshipy type things, which maybe not for everybody. But yeah, therapy, great investment. Highly recommend doing it if you're looking at a New Year's resolution. Even just some online help, somebody to chat to, get things off your chest. You have to pay for them to listen to you so you don't feel guilty about all the emotional labor of friends. Uh, yeah. A plus in my, my book. Nice. And I will say like therapy is tough. Like it's not going to be a walk in the park, but I do mm. think it's worth it. Like I wish somebody would have told me that because I thought it was going to be all like fun and positive and like yeah like I'm, you know i'm just talking with my friend <laughs> but it can be a little oh, it'd be a little tough yeah. do not make the same mistake i did which was booking my therapy appointment in the morning before work that was like oh <laughs> do it at like the end of the day when you don't have any commitments afterwards especially yeah. if you haven't done it before because right. if you're talking about some pretty serious stuff the last thing you'll feel like doing is sitting down and going through a refinement session or yeah. anything like that. My first session was right before my one-on-one -on -one with my manager. Oh. So <laughs> I was like, I need oh, five so minutes to get day. myself together. So 
<laughs> so yeah, bad. That was that's great advice. I wish I would have heard that before I started. But yeah. Awesome, y'all. And one caveat, I will say, I tried to get a cool piece of tech, which was headphones that you can use while you're swimming. And I thought that would be a kind of cool thing. Ooh. My wife and I have gotten into swimming. Oh, but nice. then I realized that you need to load MP3s onto them, and I don't have MP3s anymore. <laughs> so I got to go get some oh. old CDs out of the basement and burn them <laughs> to my hard drive wow. or something. Do you have a CD drive that you can do that No, ma'am. No, no, I don't. Oh, man. Got to figure what that out. Does anybody have any quick like tech recommendations, whether that's a $10 purchase or a $50 purchase that they're like, this was incredibly useful and made me happy? Hmm. I got an arcade machine. Oh. Oh. And I love it. And I highly recommend it. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. Coolest gift ever. And it came loaded with just all of these old games because there's a Raspberry Pi thing, and I'm forgetting what it's called. I think Retro Pi. There's Retro Pi and a bunch of different other variations that you can load onto it that would let you load these old video games on it, mm-hmm. these old arcade games. Yeah. And what's cool is we have a whole lot more storage than like the Game Boy had mm-hmm. back oh, in yeah. the day. And so I have all of the games on it. From NES to Super Nintendo to Game Boy Color to PlayStation, all of them. Mm. And I've only had it for two weeks, but (laughs) oh my gosh, it's so dang fun. I have like my chicken run game that I had on Game Boy Color in second grade, and now I can play it again. And it it is a blast. So it's kind of a tech crack. If you want to waste time and be in one place... Get an arcade machine. Chicken Run. Oh my yeah. God. That is a blast <laughs> from the right? past. Holy moly. I know. Wow. I loved Chicken Run. Dude, that's selling for $162 on Amazon right now on Game Boy. Yeah. Well, or you could get a retro pie. What's the reverse of a productivity hack? Them. This is a pro- productivity <laughs> suck, but it sounds pretty yeah. great. This is a life hack, a yeah. fun hack. Okay, good. Not every moment needs to be productive. No. So fun. Uh, I do have a tech rack as well. It's pushing the the $100 limit, but I still found it valuable. I bought a HomePod Mini recently. Mm. I don't have speakers in my living room, reminders, timers, all that kind of stuff. And it's actually made quite a tangible improvement to just my quality of life as a human. The reason for that, Sura, you might be able to relate to this as someone from the ADHD realm as well. When I'm cooking, setting timers, doing things, like I've gotten into the habit now, whenever I need to do something, I'll just say, hey, smart home device, and then remind me to do this tomorrow or remind me to do this this afternoon. And so all these thoughts that kind of come into my head throughout the day, Mm. I just offload immediately to the HomePod and then I'll get a notification on my phone at like 12 o'clock or the next day. It has saved me so many times. Things like, say, for example, booking travel insurance for a trip that I'm having later on or making a dinner reservation or doing all those kind of things. It's just, it all goes there. And then nice cooking as well. You have multiple timers now. So if I'm cooking chicken for 20 minutes, I set the timer on that and then I can just go and, you know, browse Reddit or do whatever else. And I'm yeah. just waiting for that. It's offloading a lot of the mental angst. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a good second grade dialogue this year. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. Notion, Obsidian, mm-hmm. HomePod. I've really been craving like a thing where, you know how in Slack you can like remind me about this message tomorrow, where it's like, I do need to respond to this, but now is not the right time. I really want that for iMessage where it's just like, remind me to come back to this text message. I've been saying this for so long. Or like, you know how with Gmail, you can have the send later. 
Yeah, or something Love like that. that. And snooze, yeah. <sighs> I wish I had that. All right, everybody. It is that time of the show. Let's give a shout out to somebody who won a lifeboat badge, came on Stack Overflow, and helped save a question from the dustbin of history. Thank you to Flopsy, who has an adorable bunny avatar. How do I order the array of objects with TypeScript by value? Appreciate it, Flopsy, and congrats on your lifeboat badge and helping out 25,000 people. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a great year. We grew the podcast a bunch. We passed 500 episodes and 6 million downloads in our little run since we've been going. Um, So I appreciate everybody who's listened and feel free to write into the show or hit us up on social or whatever it may be. And we continue to get folks emailing with suggestions of, you know, guests who should come on. And sometimes they are great and those people end up being guests. So don't hesitate. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, the nicest thing you could do for us would be to leave us a rating and a review because it really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams, <laughs> the CTO over at Contenda, and you can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. My name is Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate over at Allsero by Okta, and you can find me on Twitter. My username there is C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I'm Matt Kianda. I'm a developer advocate at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.